A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Winning lock is all right, isn't it? Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. I'm Stephen Goldsworth and I have an array of guests with me tonight. Nick Barnes, Sunderland commentator for the BBC Radio Newcastle is here. This relegation party is on ice, Nick, now. No, but I mean, when I, when I booked Nick in through the medium of text message a couple of weeks ago, we kind of had a joke, didn't we, and said this was likely to be a, a relegation special and we did. And the yeah, absolutely of, right. Kind of turned it around a little bit. That's what I mean. I'm not counting my chickens yet. Definitely not. Okay, two of our Sunderland University sports bike panel have also come along tonight. It's only taken the best part of a season for that to happen. Although Sam Lytle has been on before. He writes for Love Supreme. Michael Loff is here as well. Lads, are you ready to do this? Yep, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Good. <laughs> Very enthusiastic. Enthusiastic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Gareth Barker is here too, as always, and he's on prediction duty from now on, I think, Gareth. Credit where it's due. <laughs> Since the win at Chelsea, 4-1, you said, last for the kind, weekend's game. If Kenwin Mystic had put Meg. that header in at the end, then I would have been you, very were disappointed. Rooting, were you rooting for it? No, because I didn't have a bet on, so yeah. I was delighted when that Actually, when we part. walked in the stadium, my, my, brother, my brother said to me, uh, we're going to win this 4-0. Um, and I says, yeah, Gareth said 4-1. I don't know, I don't know what the pair of these have been taken, but well. there you go. Inside pills. <laughs> Inside pills. Yeah, I could do with some of those. Right. But wasn't it nice just to see a game pan out as you as you hoped it would? Sort of a feeling of nerves all week and anticipation and excitement. And it was all released, wasn't it? With a comfortable home win. First time in a couple of years, really. That's yep. what being a football fan should be yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was great, wasn't it? Uh, just the atmosphere was fantastic. And the you know, crowd with them all the way through and... You know the players performed. You know the it, the day couldn't have gone any better. Really, you got the penalty, sending off four goals out the relegation zone. That was the the dream, really, and it mm. all came. How many fruition. parents do you think were sitting with first time goals, like kids who were going for the first time, saying it's not like this every week, son? Well, tends to be a well, popular one, doesn't third it? Third bottom of the league. <laughs> it, well, sorry, fourth bottom. It is like that most weeks, isn't it? Well, winning four one. <laughs> 4-0. 4-0. Yeah, I'm just thinking about your prediction. I have to say, <laughs> Nick, though, I thought tactics, Cardiff's tactics helped us. They sat very deep, didn't they? And it's sort of, it's understandable because Sunderland f- struggled to break teams down who do that. But I just I just sense that, in, you know, in a relegation clash like this, whoever was going to go out and be the bravest of the two sides were going were gonna to end up victorious. And I, I just question whether Cardiff were brave enough. I think uh, we d- talked about it beforehand and the feeling was that Cardiff would defend early on because they couldn't afford, in their minds, to concede a goal early doors. Mm. Um, and because they did, that their game plan was, was disrupted. Um, because the, the danger if they'd gone gung-ho from early on was that they did leave the back door open and Sunderland did take the lead. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't quite understand their tactics mm. following the, the sending off. I, I'm, I'm, I know Gary Medell plays centre-half for Chile, but to put the smallest man on the pitch in the middle of your defence did seem a bit curious and mm. I wasn't quite sure of their ambition then I, I thought they were a poor side Cardiff I didn't, think, I didn't think they were I didn't think Fraser Campbell had one of his better games no Kenwin Jones didn't really offer anything when he came on 
Craig Bellamy like didn't offer. Park it, for the it, it was really, yeah. and, and I think once Sunderland went one 0 up, there was only going to be one winner. Um, and I think Gary Bennett and I were imploring Sunderland to keep going and get goals because basically, the more they could get against mm. Cardiff was going to be a bit of a banker in this net this last week and a half, and and so it proved. And of course, I mean, we were ahead of Norwich on goal difference before the weekend anyway, but it wasn't Lords, was it? And well, then where we had that swing, didn't we? Where they it, it, conceded four yeah. and we scored four. And it's an, an, a huge boost to the weekend to get the goal difference the way it is because Fulham's is you know Fulham. Cardiff and, and Norwich now have joined them. The, the goal difference there, it, it, it could be could be critical. I don't think it's going to be, but it could be. Mm. Like an extra half a point of goal difference. That's what we concluded last season, wasn't it? It's like an extra point. Oh, it's not it's quite like point. a point. It's, it's, not, it's almost a point, it's isn't it? It's not quite like a point. It's like a half a point. Or well, there's it? a theory, isn't there, that mm. Sunderland could stay up on 32 points if the others don't win their remaining mm. games. I'm not quite sure that's not going to happen. But, you know, that, that, that goal difference... Is, is going to be significant? Could be significant. Mm-hmm. Jack Arini's goal epitomised the whole thing for me. Uh, I'll come to sports fight lads, Michael. It was a goal sort of scored in a fluid move. Uh, it was in the end our sit, which helped because I've been I've been wanting just a a nice simplistic goal like that for a long time. You never seem to get it. Um, what's our thoughts on Jack Arini now? Sort of brought his performance levels back from the dead, back from the brink a little bit, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think Conor Wickham's contribution can't be undermined with this either. Because having the proper striker to play off, he's freed up Barini on one flank, Johnson on the other. Then when Jack Barini comes on, he makes those runs and makes them balls. Then he's got something to hit, and also vice versa, when Jack Barini makes them runs off Wickham, who's holding the ball and playing them in. So I think that, again, Wickham, I think his contribution has helped Jack Barini as well. I think... Well, I think you're absolutely this this whole issue of Wickham coming back in and being in form now. But apart from the goals, it's this issue, as Michael says, about holding the ball up. The players now realise the ball's not going to come back and hit the back four. They can they've got an outlet, and that actually is a benefit to Barini and to Jacarini, and even to even to an extent to someone like Catamol, who who can now feel they've got, they don't have to protect the back four so much because Wickham can actually hold the ball up. You've been reading my list. I didn't even send you an agenda, and you've just read all my <laughs> points out on one little summary there. But it's a knock-on effect we talked about, Gareth, isn't it? Last week, as Nick says, it's, it's the knock-on effect all over the park when you have a proper centre-forward doing proper centre-forward things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two headed goals from corners. The first one was incredible. Header really. When you watch it over and over again, you kind of think, is he almost as he meant to do? Has he meant to do that? Well, Poyet said after it's one of the hardest. Perf- it was like a half volley header, headers wasn't it? to actually perform yeah. in um, that position. And then obviously the link up for the Jackarini goal was perfect, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, they say Wickham again. I've slagged them off like really badly in the past, <laughs> so I'm delighted that. But, that, but what's interesting though is like bigger than you. Conor <laughs> Wickham's doing this to. He's done this himself, though. But I mean, when I, when we finished the match, and I was walking over the bridge. We want to want to be friends and have have the chat as you do. And he kind of said, "I'll put my hands up and and say, you know, I was wrong about Conor Wickham." And I, you know, I pointed out that he wasn't really because um, he's coming in and he's the one who's changed. Mm. He's suddenly making the runs. He's suddenly. I mean, did you see the 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 incident when he came back and tackled one of the, the Cardiff players in yeah, the second yeah. half? And we didn't see that before no. from him. So he he's the one credit to himself or whoever's had a word in his ear. I don't think the fan, Sunderland fans have been too fickle. No. Like I think you, I think they've been a bit harsh on themselves. Anyone I, who says yeah, that. I think I'd agree with that. I think it it is a case of, um, you know, I think it was he was rightly criticised, and then now he should be rightly praised. And I don't think any, you know, if Wickham's stepped it up in training or, you know, <laughs> making changes to his game, which well, is I think it, a lot of it's down to him. I mean, it yeah. was his decision to ask to go to Leeds. It was no no prompting by. 
Gus Poyet. He knew he was going to be sitting here on the bench if involved at all. He made that decision to miss out on the League Cup final, to go to Leeds. And he said himself that since he's come back, or even even at Leeds in training, you know, he's not doing any fancy stuff. He's gone. He's almost gone back to basics. You know, just no no flicking the ball away and trying to be clever. It's it's just the the basics of football: hold the ball up, trap, control, be a bit wiser about who's around you, and and you know, at the end of the day, it's confidence, isn't it, in front that, of goal? And that's what any centre forward should use as a platform, shouldn't it? Like we're, that's what we say about Alador, isn't it? Sometimes you know he does these little flicks and stuff, and they come off. But as Nick's saying. You start, first of all, mm. do the basic things, don't you? Hold the ball up, lay the ball off, play like a centre-forward. It sounds so simplistic, but it's, mm. it's right, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I don't, think, I don't think, I mean, Benno makes the point, defenders don't like defending Conor Wickham. His size, you know, his bulk now, the way he can move, you know, nobody will fancy taking him on. Barini, Alan, Adam Johnson and Jack Barini, then as, as Michael's just pointing out, Sam... All, all sort of benefiting from from Conor Wickham's performance, and that can only be a good thing from now on. Suddenly, it looks like we can get goals from all over the field again, doesn't it? Well, I no, definitely. Um, I mean, you just obviously Barini and Adam Johnson have got a lot of pace um, amongst them, and that pace alone, when you can have someone like um, Conor Wickham laying it off to them, um, and like they can get them running at defenders, that, I think that's what's important because in recent weeks we haven't had that without outdoors. Whenever the ball's been played up to him, he's I don't know, it just hasn't really worked out sort of thing and now the, now the link-up's coming and it's sort of almost two-touch football nice passing into the changing and that it's, it transforms it, through the side doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know, it feels out for everyone Going back to the defenders there Gareth sort of said like a walk in the park for them where we with Virginia we're still still happy yeah, is Bardsy still getting not, not getting near the team yeah. I quite enjoy watching him right right back to be honest he's limited going forward isn't he if we're I being, if we're being so. brutally honest he is but I think if he was given that if he had a bit more confidence in, in, in his ability when he gets in those positions because he's probably not going to find himself there that often when he plays centre half as he regularly so I think he's got the technical ability to do something he's not scared ball. of getting forward no, he does no. like to get forward I think he's more comfortable at right back but I think in the weeks that he's been playing now, he's got more comfortable with the Premier League as well. I mean, I think you know, he's, I think at the moment, Gus is going to be very, very reluctant to tamper, tinker with the team. You know, why, why change something that's not broken? It's so I'd be very, very surprised if it's not the same lineup again at Old Trafford on on Saturday. Do you think it's also important that because of the genies, he's sort of been took out of the the mixer, so to speak, in, in the, in the centre-half positions, he's sort of regained his confidence at right-back, so now you feel if Brown or O'Shea would have get suspended or injured or whatever, he could slot back in. Well, like, was, he, well he nearly position. did at the weekend. I mean, if, a show, if O'Shea had gone off, Virginia would have slipped back in there and Barnsley would have come on, but I think there's the, instant, in the, the issue as well is that he's not been dragged out of the firing line by Poyet after the game at Liverpool or Arsenal or wherever and, and, and sort of dumped in the reserves or dumped on the bench and not been involved. He's stuck with him. You know, he's given the player the, the self belief in a way to to carry on. You know, just just keep going, keep plugging away, and and it's come right. I mean, Gus Poyet's obviously seen enough of him and knows enough about him that he knew that he he has ultimately got a player there, and and he's stuck 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 with his guns. I mean, he's, he's stuck to it. His examples of that all the way through the side, Gareth, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because we we've seen we've saw Conor Wickham now what he what he's doing with the run in the side. Going back to an earlier example, we said it about Barini, didn't we? I mean. Yeah, we were talking on here saying what's the possibility of moving Barini on in January and getting mm. somebody else in before that Newcastle goal and then of course a run of games you start to see the rewards don't you yeah um, I think it helps if you start yeah, winning a few because it <laughs> does 
Well, because confidence it, is everything. It'll be it? interesting in, in in terms of player like Skoko, what we see of him yeah. in the future. Because when you talk to the players about training, they do say that he's got some absolutely fantastic ability. At the same time, they do say that there are there are signs at the moment that he's not up to pace and he's not quite with the speed of the Premier League. Well, given time, is Skoko going to be another of these players that we've got an opinion on now because he hasn't had a great start to his Sunderland career? But say next season, if Sunderland stay up and suddenly he's involved in the Premier League and he's had a full pre-season, are we going to see the Skoko that we think Poyet has signed? And go back, uh, going back to that next season, because we've got to assume that Barini won't be here. So does, I've just touched on it a little bit earlier, just to sort of elaborate on it more. Does Jackarini become important again? Because there's a question. If, if Jackarini's still here, well, that, that, well, that's it. Because there's a question that. You know, if you want to raise funds, he's one you would likely get. I'm, not, I'm still not convinced that Jacarini sits comfortably into the system. I think he's a good impact substitute at the moment, and I think there is an issue at the minute that Jacarini wants to be in the World Cup with Italy. He needs to be playing. He needs to be seen to be doing something. So the, the, there's there's an issue there, but I don't think it negates the fact that Jacarini until now has not actually sat in the system very comfortably. Um, um you know, would he be happy? to sit on the bench again next season at Sunderland I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if there's some moves afoot in the summer with his agent or with him bet you've got to take his agent raise consideration some, raise well, some money you? you know it, it, just to give yourself a bit of leeway in the transfer market interestingly though if you look at the stats I guess for, for Juventus and compare them to that Sunderland and obviously he's expected to start every week at a club like Sunderland but not Juventus but if you look at them they're very similar to, to his probably Less appearances off the bench for us, but his goal scoring and his assists and stuff very similar return to what he what he did at, at Juventus. Um, In fairness, know. he seems happy enough. I mean, when you, know, you, you speak to Jacarini, there's no he doesn't betray. You know, I'm, and, and I think this is probably true of all the Italians. I mean, they're all they're very they're very very good. In terms of um, talking to the press, talking, and they don't betray the sort of traits of the English players, heads down, troop off and, and sulk, they don't tend to do that. Jacarini may well be as he says, happy with the situation he's in at the minute. He's, he seems to have a good attitude actually he's, you know. Well I was talking to Lee Catamol today who said he's a fantastic professional absolutely, you know, top draw when it comes to his attitude to training, his attitude to you know his position and so on, um, and even in terms of learning he's, English, he's worked his way up, hasn't he? He started in the bottom, yeah. didn't he? And he's worked his way up. It's often the case with these players, isn't it? Talking about Lee Catamol there, Michael, it, it seems sort of easy to to praise a player for keeping control and keeping the head, but I think Lee Catamol, they were trying to wind him up at the weekend, so he deserves praise for that, doesn't he? Definitely so, and um, I think Lee Catamol, we are much better with him in the side than without him in the side, because he's one of these players whether he gives the ball away or not or even if he makes a mistake laying at the goal he doesn't hide he's always available for the ball he still continues making his tackles and I think he's a valuable asset to the side and when he gives a very mature display like he did the other day then he's worth his weight in goal on any side in my opinion mm, I would tend to agree with that Sam um, it's almost like people have forgotten about Lane Bridcut suddenly again isn't it but you've, you've, it's something you've got to be wary about because Catamol does give these goals away, doesn't he? But he doesn't, as Michael said, I think it's important to appreciate the fact he doesn't go hiding and that sort of character normally comes through, doesn't he? Well, uh, definitely. I mean, I think, to be fair, the, the reason he gives, he's been given away those sort of the goals is because the, the position, that put, uh, no, the way Poet wants to set up, he wants his midfielders to want the ball. Um, Brickup, when he first came in, he was really lively, looking for possession all the time. 
Um, but like you say, in terms of character and standing up, and not going hiding, Catmull's probably the best player in the team for that. You know, um, he's always you know he's always willing to put a tackle, always willing to put a shift in. And to be fair, I think like he's, well, he's the only player I think in our team that that is willing to, to always be there, regardless what the result is. You know, he won't won't hide from that. I mean, he's speaking today about the mistakes he's made and the goals he's given away, and, he's, and, he, and as he says, you know, there's nowhere to hide. You can't run off the pitch just because you made a mistake. What you do is knuckle down and. Just get on with it. I mean, I think it was quite telling at the weekend that you know he he produced probably the two passes of the of the match, and they were the two long distance passes across mm. the pitch, which were mm. were pinpoint. Which you know, as he said today, a player that you know that if the team's playing with confidence, the pressure's off you a little bit because you're in in a good position in the game. You do play with more freedom, and and that's another thing that's come to the team in the last couple of weeks. They're they they've got the freedom to express themselves a little bit better. I think he's great at that, like this that switch. Like you say, when he's confident and he really can nail that seventy-yard crossfield ball, and it's—I mean, he can't I, make I, a ten-yard pass, but he can make a seventy-five-yard <laughs> yeah, pass. Yeah, yeah. Well, it happens to the best of them. I guess Gerard's six times better than Catamol, and Catamol yeah. slips over and gives a ball away in that position six times a season, and Gerard's done it once. So maybe some game of doing lo- wasn't <laughs> logic. Yeah, yeah, some logic <laughs> to that maybe. But uh, you know, well, well, we've been over Catamol a few times, haven't we? Mm. I think just before we move on, and what we'll finish on Seb Larson because you you mentioned mm. you were Conor Wickham's biggest critic, and I've been Seb Larson's biggest critic. I'll hold my hands up to that. I think it was possibly his best game mm. in a Sunderland shirt the weekend. Would anybody agree yeah. with that? Does anybody? I, w- I wouldn't disagree. I mean, I'm a bit ambivalent about Larson because you know sometimes I think he's a Championship player, other times he puts in a performance, mm. and you think he's a Premier League player. I'm quite sure what he is, but um, I think at the minute credit where credit's due in terms of he's a player out of contracts, not going to get a new one, and he's not shirked from fighting for the cause, so to speak. He's slotted into that team now. He's he's presumably going to be in the starting lineup again at the weekend, and he's played his part. Certainly has. Before we talk Man United, just a reminder of events unfolding this upcoming Bank Holiday Monday, which is May the 5th, and it's Jordy Craddock's testimonial, as I'm sure you're all aware. We did interview him last week, of course, and mention it. But just a little reminder for those who might be thinking about going, sitting on the fence, get yourself there. Prices for the game, which kicks off at 2pm, are £10 for adults, £5 for concessions, or £20 for a family of two adults and two children. Tickets for the encounter, which is not segregated, so no fighting, please, are <laughs> available now from wolves.co.uk. You need to get your tickets online. Quinn Phillips et al. Why would you not want to go? Proceeds from the game go to Birmingham Children's Hospital, where Craddock's son Toby continues to be treated for leukemia. Look at fault, look, Gareth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be pretty well, good. A road trip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sound too enthused about it, either. <laughs> no, it should be. It should be pretty good. Like I think, uh, you know, it'd be nice to talking before we, you know, went on air with Mike and he was saying his first Sunderland game was the uh, three own goals against Charlton, so he. You guys missed <laughs> missed the good times um, when they were all there. So, you know, are you heading down there, Nick? No, I'm not on Monday. Oh well, that's the end of that conversation. <laughs> <right there>. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us on the line is Dom Rayner, formerly of ESPN, now freelance writer for the BBC. More importantly, he's a Man U fan. Is it? I've always wondered, Dom, is it Man U or Man United? How do the Man U fans stroke Man United fans say it? Uh, well, I know a lot of people get uppity about saying Man rather than Manchester, but it doesn't really bother me. Although, personally, I would say Manchester. Also, it's not even Man U or Man United, it's Manchester United. 
Yeah. The whole thing. <laughs> so you, don't, you don't just say Man U when you're talking yeah. about... Oh, it's just United, isn't it? The clue is in the it's name of the United, football club. Yeah. Just He's United, Oh, right, OK. Firstly, Sam is going to give us some stats or facts relating to Manchester United v Sunderland. Well, uh, let's just start from the, the obvious one. One win at Old Trafford. Well, the last time we beat Old Trafford, uh, one at Old Trafford, 1968. I don't know. Mixed on his head. Nobody else he was is, born is, then. Is, is, is there any else to that? Well, it was yeah. because it was the it was the day that... Sun, wasn't it right? Sunderland denied Manchester United the title while Manchester City won at Newcastle yes. and won yeah. the title. Is that right? Is. Yes. That is yeah. Right. yeah, that is. Uh, and, I mean, last 10 games at Old Trafford in the Premier League, United have scored 19 goals. Sunderland have only scored five. I thought it would have been worse than that. That doesn't yeah, sound yeah. too so, bad to me. Well, I, I, I'm not, and, yeah. So, uh, That's it. <laughs> and the finest of those 19 was Anton Ferdinand's. Yeah. <laughs> that was we all remember. time. Yeah, Michael. Um, I've got a bit of a quirk you want to kick off with. Oh. Before the October 2010 game at the Stadium of Light, the game was delayed by 20 minutes due to a burst pipe in your weird dressing room. Mm. Allegedly, mm. of course. Um, no, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, Played well that day. Nil nil, wasn't it? Send it, Send it, it the, the ball yeah. or a post or something. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Man United have won 10 and lost none of their 12 Premier League games with Sunderland at Old Trafford. Encouraging. And Sunderland are without winning 23 Premier League games against the Red Devils overall, taking just 5 points in the total of 5 draws and 18 defeats. So, apart from that, <laughs> oh, we're well, guaranteed yeah. to win, you know. The only, way is up, the only way is up, right? Things okay. to get better. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, Dom. Post Moyes. Now, can you sum up the Moyes era for us? Um, if, you, if you can <laughs> <laughs> I think um, disappointing badly handled I think uh, that is, that's the short version I think um, I suppose it just, to sum it up briefly I would say it was obvious that he was the wrong man from the job from the get go I don't, I don't understand why someone why he was appointed in the sense that if Moyes was given Moyes wasn't up to the job that was required from the off. If he was given three years and he served those three years, he would have learnt what he needed to learn. He would have developed as a manager. He would have brought in his own players. He would have changed the team, in, restored the team into challenging for silverware. But the problem is he was never going to get three years. He was, only, he was always going to be judged on the first season if he was... If we didn't get Champions League football, he was always going to be out the door. So it, the, to appoint him in the first place was a big error, in my uh, opinion. Uh, and secondly, I think he wasn't helped by the fact that um, the moves in the transfer window, although, you, I mean, a lot of blame has been put in, in at the door of the, the new hierarchy there, but there were a lot of deals in place. Uh, Thiago Alcantara, for instance, was all ready to be signed, sealed and delivered and Moyes didn't sort of um, give his backing to that particular deal and that fell through and there were other deals that were lined up to to, um, boost the squad which Moyes never really sort of um, had the the gumption to sanction. Mm, Interesting, I think it's it's an interesting point what you're saying about Moyes had he been given more time because... A lot of people are sort of describing Man United as a, a side that sticks by the manager and using Sir Alex as the, as the obvious example. But if the glare and, dif- you know, the difference there. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is that Ferguson didn't take over a, a title win inside, did he? And so, you, like you said, he he's had his time to develop as a manager while he's been at Manchester United when they were already a side away from the sort of top. And he also, and Ferguson also had... Um, you know, wins on his CV. He'd won the, the the league and the European Cup by that point. Mm. So it's not like he was a, a, a nobody. A nobody in terms of titles like uh, Moyes was. Um, and also, as you as you say, Manchester United were a completely different club at that point. Um, you know, finishing seventh under Ron Atkinson was no. You know, no one raised their eyebrows and thought, "What a terrible season that is." It was almost par for the course in those days. Isn't the assumption that Moyes would have taken on this squad and actually they may not have won the title but they would have finished comfortably in the top four. He didn't need to tinker, he didn't need to do much because I think the transposition of that is Martinez at Everton who goes in to take hold of Moyes' squad, doesn't do a great deal with it but has got them virtually into Mm. Champions League football without tinkering because you could almost name the Everton squad season in, season out. They don't make many changes. There's a continuity there which Martinez has picked up and exploited, which Moyes didn't exploit at Old Trafford. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And he, he didn't he never seemed to select the same team twice. He didn't I don't think he knew what his best team was. Um and he also backed away from making tough decisions in terms of um he'd play matter out of position somewhere. You spend, you know, you spend the record, club record, signing a player. Play him in his position. Mm. If that means putting somebody else's nose out of joint, then so be it. You know, don't play him out of position where he's ineffectual just so you can get all the big names into the team. You have to select the best team. And if matters best behind a striker, and that mm. means that uh, Rooney has to drop out or Kagawa has to drop out or whoever's filling in that hole at that point in time, then so be it. I think you have to make those tough, de- tough decisions. I think that's an interesting point because one thing people will remember was the the Olympiacos game where you turned round. I remember looking at the team sheet and thinking, actually, this looks like quite a, a balanced team. Now you shouldn't really be thinking that looking at a Man United side. Um, you should take it for granted, really, that that side's going to produce. <laughs> yeah. But at the time, I remember thinking they might do this, and I fancied you to do it, and you did. And then, as you say, I think it was Liverpool you played after that, and then. Like you say, he tries to shoe on all the big players in, totally changes a winning side, and just to get the big names in, and just it was a disaster, really, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was an embarrassment, really. I think uh, when you look at some of the Man United players as well, um, you know, I think they let let Moyes down big time. I think some comments as well, like Van Persie made some bizarre remarks to me about 
how he couldn't really get up for league games or something like that, or he, but he could get up for the Champions League. I don't know if I, I'm misquoting him there, but I don't know if you you could probably tell me if I'm wrong, Dom. Yeah, I think the one he was the the telling one I felt was where he was asked by Dutch TV why he didn't have such a great game against. I think it was against Olympiakos in the first leg, and he was saying because players are running into oh, yeah. spaces basically, but which was. He was more or less saying that Moyes' tactics weren't very good. Um, and, uh, well, <laughs> we've all seen that to be played out to be true, really, haven't we? Mm. It's just Sunderland's look, Nick, isn't it? That Man United, I get that new manager bounce now. It helped well, us last week for Norwich, mind you, yeah, which was, which I, I, was the think, important one. I think the, the key one was that they didn't face them first yeah. game. No, Norwich were always going to lose. Yeah, I, there, I think it, it's... Dom will know better than I, but I was told that you know Norwich were poor and Man United weren't great last mm, weekend. That's and I think you know ultimately, if you look at the season, they've lost six at home, they've drawn six at home. They're not suddenly. You mentioned form earlier, Stephen. You're not suddenly going to flick this switch, and Man United are going to be world beaters again. So they've got the Norwich game out of the way. They've got that initial gigs euphoria out of the way. This is this is down to business now. They, they're playing a team that are going to go to Old Trafford having. One at Stamford Bridge, having drawn at the Etihad. There are no mugs now, the way that they, they set up Sunderland. They've been to Old Trafford this season, and while they didn't win in, in normal time, extra time, that they, they, they did when, you know, the psychological lift of winning, in, yeah. in, you know, the penalties. So there's, a, there's issues there. There are, there are dynamics there which, aren't, which weren't in play for Norwich last week, but are in play now, I think, for Sunderland. It's interesting now. Yeah. How's, how's the balance of the side looking now, Dom? What's it look? I know you've only had one game under Giggs, and you, you know you, you're not suddenly going to claim to know what he's going to do next. I mean, bring a matter back in, for example. But did the side look a lot more balanced? Um, I think it was very interesting that reverted to the old guard, particularly in defence, where he had you know everyone had written Rio Ferdinand off as you know has been, and that he came back alongside Vidic and had Ever as well, uh, Jones filling it right back. And um, they did look a lot more solid than the, than that selection ever did under David Moyes. Now, whether that's the gigs effect or it's just the fact that they were selected from all players available, that was a sort of shot in the arm, a bit of confidence that they needed, and they played that way, uh, remains to be seen. I think he'll go for pretty much the same team. I think Raphael is um, he, he's uh, touch and go over an injury, but personally, I wouldn't play him ahead of Phil Jones anyway um, if you look at the opposition you just touched on it there the Norwich are a team on the slide Sunderland are on an upward trajectory at the moment with some fantastic results that you already mentioned so it's going to be a completely different um, di- different task for the team and I would certainly have a more defensive robust defender like I think Phil Sunderland Jones have got, they've got pace as well Sunderland now have got Barini they've got Jack Rini who can come on they've got Johnson, Johnson they've got yeah. players who can actually put pressure on Manchester United back four and, and they're not now separate you know the one thing that Sunderland can do is counter attack now while Man United I mean I've seen graphs where it shows their attacking prowess against Norwich and they were you know there was a lot more possession in Norwich's final in final third Yes, there will be possession against Sunderland in the final third, but Sunderland will have possession in Man United's final third as well, and that will be, you know, that's going to be a threat. And do we now, from a Sunderland perspective, does everybody think he approaches his game by keeping the side the same consistency? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think he now? will. Yeah, I don't. I think he's terrified at the minute to to change something mm. that's working. No curveballs from you, Gareth. Like random five at the back of three at the back of no, Christmas no, tree no, formations not, not this, or anything like that. Time. I know not you're fond time. of such things. I was. 
Yeah. Not the time though. We're, we're looking. I mean, we look good at the moment. I do fancy us to to get a result. I mean, like like you were saying, um, like we were talking earlier, talking about earlier. I didn't I watch the game and first half? I thought Man United were pretty turgid, and then they got the the penalty. Um, and you know, I don't know how the, the lad it was at Whitaker wasn't sent off. I I don't know how that didn't happen. Yeah. But um, yeah, they got the penalty and. He obviously went in the lead and then strolled the second half really and, and got the three goals. Um, but I just, you know, I kind of felt as though people might have been. I don't know what your view is on this, Dom, but the man, this gigs effect thing. I mean, I've never seen anything quite like where they use foot on Sky. They use footage from past games from like ten years ago to show what the Man United way was and that Giggs was going to do this what be really good at football and score loads of goals and win loads of games I was like right well that's good analysis and then then they analysed him walking from the tunnel to his seat and it was bizarre and I was thinking I think they've jumped Manchester the shark United, a bit the here I know but it was bizarre it was a bit bizarre and I just felt maybe that then when the game kicked off and to be fair Neville on his commentary did say well they did they don't look really any different mm. to they did at Evan when they were quite poor. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think when when you see images like um, there was a, the the picture in the all the uh, national press and it had you know skulls, but mm. Neville um, and Giggs in the, the like double page spread. And if you're a United <laughs> fan, you, it's difficult not to feel stirred by that and think about wow. Where could this team bring us? You know, they know what it's all about. They know the ethos, etc., etc. But as you just point out, at the end of the day, when you get on the pitch, it's your ability to, your tactical ability, your selection ability, that makes the difference. So, despite all the euphoria and the emotion and all the sort of ridiculousness that that led to with Sky's coverage, that when they were on the pitch, there wasn't actually. That much. I would say they played with more confidence under yeah. Giggs than they did under Moyes. I thought that was obvious, but they they didn't suddenly become this swashbuckling yeah. side. That it wasn't groundbreaking, was it? Yeah. Um, it's interesting there that you mentioned the Manchester United ethos that you have at the club. So, with that in mind, do you think that David Moyes made a big mistake in making such radical changes to his background staff, such as get rid of Mullerstein? Who was undoubtedly a very well renowned coach, and then bringing in the likes of Phil Neville, who were like basically a novice at that kind of level? Completely. I mean, he brought um, um, Steve Round and, and others in there, um, and they were all basically um, people who had never won anything on their CVs. So they, they came into a club that expected results instantly, and none of them had a background of delivering on that stage. So I don't see why you would get rid of a backroom staff that were proven winners for one that were, I'm not going to use the word losers, but <laughs> were not winners. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, certainly interesting, right? Well, what about when we had uh, Quinn as manager and he lost four games on the bounce and then sacked himself? So yeah, you well, <laughs> Quinny's always got the best interest of the club yeah. at heart, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. You can't get fair, you can't say fairer than that, can you? Yeah. Okay, right. Prediction time. We'll go around and see what people think. Dom, start with you. Well, it's been two-one every meeting so far this season, so I'm going to go two-one again. Um, which way I'm going to have to go United's mm. way there's no penalties obviously in the Premier League so I'll go 2-1 United 
Well, if we do get a penalty, we'll fancy Barini to score yeah, that, yeah. don't we? He looks he, he looks assured, doesn't he? But we did say the same about Craig Garner, who then yeah, missed, missed that first <laughs> penalty. <laughs> the worst penalty shoot yeah. that ever occurred. Well, in the you, best you, would one mo- you would have put your mortgage on Gardner as well, wouldn't you? You would have, yeah. Right, okay, Gar- I did. That's uh, I'm living here <laughs> yeah, yeah. now. I'm living in the studio in a sleeping bag. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I'm going to say draw. That's it. A draw. N- not elaborating any more than no, that? No, a draw. Okay, fair enough. Being very, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Lads? Um, I'm going to go for one all, and I'm going to go for the obvious option of Connor Wickham to score for Sunderland. Better than my prediction, a draw and a goal scorer. He's offered up there. Mm-hmm. Sam, uh, just one one. Uh, I haven't got a go- I haven't got a goal scorer. No, you don't. You don't I'll need one. You don't need one. Michael was just showing off. I fear giving any sort of prediction. I would I would happily take a point because I think Sunderland need four points to stay up. I think the two home games are the two key games. I think they can afford to go to Old Trafford and lose. Um, and I think the weight of history does weigh ha- quite heavily on the game. I think whatever you say about you know, the fact that they've won at Chelsea and drawn at mm. Manchester City, it's Man United, it's Old Trafford. And those stats that we heard earlier on, you know, they're there for a good reason. And Man United's still got those players. But I think they can put in a performance. I think they could get a draw. They'd, I'd, I'd happily take the draw. But I'm... I'm a bit. I'm not being negative. I'm a little bit more pessimistic about yeah. this one. Well, you know, it's realism. It's realism. It's not pessimism. But it's, inter- it's, in, it's interesting it's what you're saying there, though, isn't it? That you know, suddenly, if we need four points, and you can also, you can almost look at this one not a free pass, but you say you you don't, you know, you aren't required to go to Old Trafford and win. But then, should we lose? And then Fulham or Cardiff win, and you're back in the bottom three. Well, it, the yeah. whole mentality and mindset it changes it, again, doesn't it? It does, but I think you know you've you've got to take that into account now. You know, with the games that are left, the, you know, the, everyone's talked for the last three months about the key game being the, the game in hand against West Bromwich Albion, which to a degree is true. It's a home game; it's in your own hands. If you get anything at Old Trafford now, it's an absolute bonus. If Sunderland go to Old Trafford and win how much pressure's taken off the game against West Bromwich Albion and against Swansea. Huge amount of pressure's lifted, especially if the results go in your favour. You may yet still go to Old Trafford, lose, and Fulham and, and Cardiff don't win or only get a point in their games. So it, it, it could still be that they, they do lose and the others lose as well. And, and this is argument, our whole argument comes back to Sunderland could actually still stay up on 32 points. Mm. I think if we win on Saturday, we'll be safe. Yeah, I think I it's think, a, I, think I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if results went a certain way and uh, with the games that they've got left at, at the weekend. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if we lose for it to go the other way. Though this is something <laughs> yeah, after yeah, all, yeah. isn't it? I think it'll be one-one. I have to say. Okay, we'll finish off with question of the week as. Most weeks, I was going to say as always, but that's not true. Uh, tickets to give away mm. again for the West Brom game, which you should get. You should get yourself there anyway. If you use somebody's season card number, you can get a ticket for a tenner. I think, Gareth, is that right? You can. Did I read, did I read that? That is. Yeah, right, yeah, season card number. Get your see, a couple of people asked for mine, so. so I hope it's right. Look, yeah, so if anyone going over the ticket office, we did something similar actually. Uh, last time there was a tenner ticket offer on we said if anyone bit of an amnesty so if anybody's not using theirs yeah absolutely feel free to use at wise men say pod as a exchange for these uh, numbers are you allowed to do that yeah can't say why not say allegedly after things and it makes it okay <laughs> allegedly you can do that something I don't know right okay I'll hand it over to Gareth so he can go through the question of the week 
Yeah, so the question of the week this week was uh, in tribute to Kevin Phillips, really, because he was a you know unbelievable player. You and lads are uh, listening because you'll be picking yeah, a winner between yes. You're um <clears throat> yeah, so I asked for original answers and I got quite a few, which was nice. So in no particular order, um, Neil um, Phillips downing a bottle of Budweiser and one, then telling me effing loves it here in Annabelle's nightclub, <laughs> May '99. Uh, Daniel Goodfellow um, when he didn't sign for us under Quinn's management or chairmanship, thus not tarnishing his magnificent legacy. Um, That's an interesting angle, isn't it? He was in the uh, Paul says he was in the Grindon club doing a talk in hours before being called up to the England squad. It was like Beatlemania outside. Um, Fletch uh, the Cruyff t- Cruyff-esque turn against Bradford. Then he buries it from outside the box, completing his hat trick against um, Bradford. It's like that whatever. I've got a Grindon club by the way. Is it? Aye, yeah. uh, I bet. Um, Gary Johnson when he lobbed Sasilic at Wembley made a grown man cry next to him, and he started pinching himself, saying, "Am I dreaming?" Uh, Richard James Purden, um, when I was 10 I met him in Sainsbury's, lovely book, took time to chat to a socially awkward kid about the season. Um, we're all socially awkward at 10 I think, Richard, so don't be so hard on yourself. Um, Brian Bilton, um, he put a picture of the lob against Newcastle. Uh, Ian Wayne um, went to Watford to see us and had his, as his name was announced the whole place rose and applauded him, it was a spine tingling moment. Uh, Luke Wilson and um, the celebration when he scored the equaliser against Newcastle on the 2-2 draw at home mind your knee mm, <laughs> he tried to slide bounced yeah, off his did, knee yeah he did yeah and then he yeah. ended up in a you think he's talked about that before he said he yeah. just smelled beer and had to get out of there <laughs> I think I've been in that situation many times that was just Kevin, Nile Quinn listening. that was just <laughs> <Nile> <laughs> <Quinn>. <laughs> we didn't have Merson in the team <laughs> uh, Craig Clark you can't win but it was quite a nice little story um, his dad and his sister um, before he kicked the ball for us they saw him and Chris Byrne at a reserves game at New Friends Park um, she neglected again an autograph and uh, missed an opportunity with one, um, not so much the other. Uh, funny how things work out. And uh, they were spectating, not playing for the reserves. Yeah, I don't recall a, a, a lady ever playing for Sunderland Reserves. Once, uh, <laughs> uh, Benji, I think this is a lie, so this can't win. Um, was sat next to my mate in 97 who said, that little lie will never make it, to which I replied, it win the golden boot. Needless to say, I had the last laugh. Uh, Michael Paul, uh, every game. He gave a champagne cork to me at Swindon in 99 when I tried to storm the pitch. Um, Gav um, wrote an article on once and he signed it, said he'd read it before and thanked me and said he enjoyed it and it made his day. Um, Gav Harford said, um, when I helped him in it was car after he broke his toe when I was on work experience at Sunderland. Top bloke. Uh, RJ said being right behind the goal for a screamer against Chelsea at home. Never heard a roar like it. Pandemonium at the stadium of light. Uh, Martin Nixon uh, when he gave Robbie Williams a shirt after the 2-1 win over the Mags Robbie wanted to wear it at the arena for that, that night for his gig um, Yep Stye um, when I saw the goal against Swindon um, results going against us goal had no impact but it was just elegant class um, I forgot to write the name in for this one this is bad uh, my first ever Sunderland game was Bradford away in 2000 before the game Phillips was warming up smashing balls into the net and when they went wide, people had to carry all the way. And my dad says if he plays like that, he'll score. And he scored a hat trick and missed a penalty. Uh, Danny Mitchell, uh, sitting in the southwest corner last year, and he made appearance over the boxers. And he melted Sunderland fans' hearts that day, apparently. Uh, Ryan Frost, uh, saw him in the old Sunderland club shop in the Metro Centre. He was buying a kid's shirt with Dad Nine on the back, and I was in awe. Um, Michael Briggs, um, Phillips against Chelsea. His first Sunderland game and visit to the stadium of light with his dad fortunate that um, unforgettable goals and uh, 
You're going to get points down for this because he's mentioned that the James Brown goal scorer in music. Oh. <laughs> and the last Ooh. one, um, <laughs> Paul Jakes um, being stood behind the goal when he smashed that volley past Swindon. One of the best goals he's ever witnessed in person. So aye, that was the selection. Some really good ones it in depends there. Depends what you're going for the selection, doesn't it? Because you, do you go for the, the goal that you think was actually the most defining goal or the, the nicest story or the funniest or what? No, well, that's your decision, isn't it? Well, I'm going to pass the book to other people first and then probably just agree with somebody. Yeah. Well, I'm, not, I'm only going to go with the goals at Bradford because I covered the game and I commentated on them, so that'll do for me. The Bradford yeah, the one. Bradford. I, was at that, yeah. I was at that game, yeah. Um, I like the um, the Budweiser one. Yeah, down those yeah, one, yeah. down yeah. a bottle of Budweiser and suddenly he loves it. I wouldn't <laughs> disagree with that one, actually. <laughs> I did as well. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the winner? Then, yeah. 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 Winning the manor, so um, it's Neil. Think you're that better be lit. true, Neil. Mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very disappointing if it's not. Yeah, long and you've time. You just like made that up, and then you get yeah. tickets. So uh, Neil at the White Cafu again. I'm going to plug his Twitter. So if you want to follow him on Twitter, I'm sure he's got top bands. Um, follow him on there the and uh, congratulate him on his uh, <laughs> prize. And maybe if he hasn't got any friends, you know he might take you along with him. Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure you have got friends, Neil. I'm sure he has as well. If we're talking about Phillips, though, I mean. What do people think was the most sort of defining goal he scored? It's hard to argue with that one at St James, isn't it? Because we spoke before the mics come on about you know the age Michael was before he got into Sunderland, and he kind of just missed the um, the seventh place finishes. But we were saying when when Gareth started going and Terry Butcher was our manager, I started going when Dennis Smith was our manager, and then Newcastle got good, didn't they? And it was horrible to see how good they were and how far behind we were, and I just. When we went to St James's and people said Kevin Phillips couldn't do it in the top league and we went there and he scored that winning goal that was very iconic, wasn't it, that one? Well, I think as Gus Poyet always says now, isn't it, when you look back at this season, what's the bi- what's the biggest result, what's the best game? And he says, well, you don't have to ask. You know, it's the Newcastle mm. game. He scored a hat-trick at Pride Park as well, which mm. I, I was at that game when we won 5-0. Yeah, that was, that was that I'd cover that one as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was a bit That stands out yeah. to me. I was about 18 and I was I was at that game and I can, I can remember that how good he was that day and Derby were a decent team then they got yeah. relegated the season after but they were decent at that time so mm-hmm. I remember um, when he scored his first goal at the stadium of light um, against Man City and Lee Clark scored one and the I think it was John Foster stadium announcer got them mixed up so he credited <laughs> Philip, when Phillips scored he credited Clark and then when Clark scored I think he credited Phillips just <laughs> even it up yeah, even just things even up even like the referees do that's not that's obviously but you could argue I guess that's the uh, you know, the, I guess the thing about Phillips was nobody knew who he was, and I remember seeing him in his debut against Ajax, and my dad was like, "Who's this lad?" Because he was pretty good. And then, even we we start that season badly, but he um, he was scoring. We got beat three one at Port Vale. Yeah, I was at that game. Yeah. And uh, apparently, Reed had a go at him in the dressing room and said, like, he was having a go at everyone. This was in his book, I think. And he said, uh, he said he because he'd been scoring, he thought he was going to get away with. Get away with it. I think we we're like two nil or three nil down at half time. We got a right good eye in that Aye, and um, I think he went. He thought I'm going to escape here because I've uh, I've scored loads of goals and stuff. And he came up with just you. You can only play at home. <laughs> He's a former. <laughs> yeah. So I nobody escaped the wrath of Reedy, obviously in those times. But he, you know, he was just fantastic, wasn't he? The, the goal scorer. Do you remember him? Do you guys remember seeing him? Well, 19 point season. 
<laughs> yeah. that one. Which, which, yeah. which he didn't do much. Let's no. be honest. He didn't try. He did. One, hand, one black hand, mark. Yeah. One, one black mark. His final two. The hand cross gesture. Remember that when he went when he got. So there was all off. sorts of talk though, wasn't there at the time yeah, about yeah, him yeah. not being happy there and all the, the transfer the requests. Yeah, yeah, you could, was, you could see it pretty much. It was pretty evident, wasn't yeah. it? Well, let's not yeah. leave it on that negative. No, because he gave many people many good moments. Yeah, some. What about that brace at brace at Sheffield Wednesday? That was pretty good. Mm. Really? It was too. You could go on. You could yeah, just go on no, and on yeah, and on yeah, and on, yeah. couldn't you? We're we'll gonna be here all night, so and we don't want to be. We don't want that. Nobody <laughs> wants that, right? I'd like to thank my guests for coming on, Nick Barnes from the BBC, Sam Lytle and Michael Loff and Gareth as well. I never. You're not really a guest, are you? You're like a co-host kind of Cohort. thing. Cohort. Yeah. Right. It's the glue that keeps <laughs> it all together. <laughs> well, thanks very much, Nick. <laughs> To Old Trafford for a repeat, hopefully, of a special night in Sunderland's recent history. This could be the game that seals our survival, or could be the game that puts us back in the relegation <laughs> zone. What's your money on? Thanks for listening. Over and out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 